Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Money Wise Radio Show with the Money Guys, Ray and Peter Lance, and good morning, Ray. Good morning, Phil. Wonderful to see you this morning. Likewise. Uh, Peter is a little under the weather, but he may join us for part of this broadcast. Oh, good. We hope to see him shortly. Not, not good that he's under the weather, but good that he'll hopefully join us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, we, we are privileged today to have a very special guest. Uh, I'm not sure if, if she's ever been on this show before. Oh, she has. But I think she has. And that's my lovely wife, Tenny Lance. Attorney Tenny Lance is with us this morning. One of my favorites. We're going to talk this morning about why estate planning is so important, but especially for women. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that women control 74% of all the assets in this country. Women typically outlive men in a marriage right. situation. Mm -hmm. They live longer in general. And I suspect in most cases, they probably have more common sense mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. a lot of men do. Sure. In every respect, of course. But women should be particularly <laughs> concerned about estate planning because... It's something that most people tend to procrastinate about. And Tenny's going to talk about that today and what comprises proper estate planning and maybe a few tidbits of information that people haven't heard yet. And, but, Phil, mm -hmm. before we get into that topic, mm -hmm. as you know, one of my favorite philosophers on this continent is Benjamin Franklin. Yes. So I'd like to read you a quotation, a new quotation we haven't read before yet. Uh, from Benjamin Franklin. Never leave that till tomorrow, which you can do today. Does that uh, regard estate planning? Absolutely. <laughs> Good morning, Tenny. Good morning. Hello, Tenny. No, it, it clearly does. I mean, uh, it's amazing. The more I read about Ben Franklin, the more I'm, I'm absolutely impressed with him. He just said so many interesting things that we take for granted today, and you think, well, that's just part of our vocabulary, our lexicon, and we don't know who said them. Many of them came from him. And uh, we're going to talk about that on another show as well. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about famous Greek philosophers. Oh, of course. Also. But of course. So help me here. Let's see if we can help me. stump the star, Phil. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's see if you can figure out which famous Greek philosopher mm -hmm. um, said this. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. That is brilliant. And you had a very uh, interesting, thoughtful look on your face as you were listening to this. So yes. I'll, I'll repeat it one more time. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. It really is. That's filled so, with wisdom. I believe that somebody like Aristotle would write something like that. Aristotle said that. He said a lot of very wise things. It's very profound. And I think that's a sentiment that we should convey to some of our politicians today, don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> At least entertain the thoughts without accepting them we necessarily. We can send them these tidbits in fortune cookies. How's that? But let's come back to our very special guest this morning, Attorney Tenny Lance. And Tenny, can you give us a little bit of background information about where you went to college and where you went to law school? I went to college the same place that you did, which was Clark University in Worcester, Mass. I, um, I forgot that. I beg your pardon? I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
We graduated from Clark many, many years ago. I still do volunteer service for that place because I like it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to work while you did uh, your own law degree and um, several years of, of working for various companies, institutions, whatever, until I realized that I should get the same degree as you. So I think it was a competition thing, Phil. Oh, it's interesting, though. And I only realized that a few days ago. (laughs) (laughs) Who's winning? (laughs) I never realized what the driving motivation was for Tim to go to law school. Little competition, huh? So I I went to um, Southern New England School of Law, SNESL, which is now the University of Massachusetts Law School, Dartmouth. and I was working full-time while I went to law school. I was working for the Girl Scouts, and I worked for them for 16 years. Had a wonderful time doing that, but uh, wanted to get my law degree. Now I have one more uh, achievement that I need to uh, follow through on. Ray has a degree yeah. beyond me. He has a Master's of Tax, and I Ooh. think at some point I need to do that. Mm-hmm. A degree above the rest. <laughs> or, something. <laughs> or something. How interesting. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if she follows through to do that. Chris, if I start another program of study in the meantime, then we'll just keep doing this back and forth for the rest of our lives, <laughs> I guess. You know, Phil, uh, Tenny has actually done some other very interesting things in her career, too. She's done a lot of work in community planning. She's written town plans, master plans for the town of Brewster on the Cape and other places like that. Uh, she's worked as a historic preservation officer for the city of New Bedford. She was responsible for writing the grants to put all the cobblestones and gas lights back into downtown historic district. Terrific. Wow. And um, she's, she's really had a passion for New Bedford. Yes. Preserving New Bedford. Mm-hmm. Uh, she served many years on the board of directors of Whale which has had a significant role in this community. Sure New has. Bedford would not look like it does today without the efforts of Whale, and Tenney has had a good hand in helping that effort as well. And um, what else have you done that's um, historic <laughs> or historic preservation? I should rephrase that carefully. Um, the um, Grinnell Mansion was uh, one of the properties that Whale took over and converted into uh, congregate housing. And that was a real achievement that we were able to do that in conjunction with the Interchurch Council of Greater New Bedford. That was a, was a wonderful project. That's up on County Street. Yes. That is awesome. It really is. And Will well, has done some remarkable things. And, and so has Tenny. I just want to yes. mention that. But she's too modest and she wouldn't say it about herself. So it's, it's nice, Tenny, that you have a passion for New Bedford and surrounding areas. I know you've done work in Dartmouth also on the Council of Aging Buildings. You wrote grant applications for that building, I believe, that project. That's true. The one on Dartmouth Street. Yes. And um, what do you like to do in your spare time besides laugh at all my stale jokes? <laughs> 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 that is not exactly my favorite pastime, <laughs> but taking care of grandchildren takes up a lot of time. A sure. wonderful, wonderful um, opportunity to do that. Reading, love to read. Mm-hmm. And Phil, you have some new grandchildren recently. That's right. Do born recently? Yes. Wow. 
Population so, is really growing, isn't it? It is, and uh, I can identify, all of us, Celeste and I and the whole family can identify, Tenny, with the love of being around your new grandchildren. Nothing like it. How many oh. grandchildren do you have? Seven now. Seven. Excellent. Wow. <laughs> wow. You have us beat. We have four. Uh-huh. Almost a baseball team. <laughs> so, uh, Phil, do you know why uh, grandparents get along so well with grandchildren? Tell me why. Because they have a common enemy, the, the children in between. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's oh. move right along here with our Please. show. <laughs> Tenny, tell me why. Tell me why estate planning is so very important, especially for women. Well, as you said, women control such a, a vast amount of the resources of families these days. And um, in my mother's time, women did not do that. In my mother's time, they did not pay the bills. They had no real understanding of uh, what was happening financially in their family. I vividly remember that when my father died in 1985, my mother was 80 years old at that point, she had no idea how to pay bills or balance a checkbook. Sure, she Didn't probably know. never wrote checks. Nope. nope, so I had to do all that for her. Um, and women have obviously come a very long way since 1985, and uh, women actually control and understand much of what's going on in family wealth these days. So, Wait, Can I interrupt for one minute? We have a special bulletin, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We've just been joined by bulletin, I like Peter that. Lance. Good morning, Peter. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> bulletin hasn't been used in 30 years. I want you to know. <laughs> oh, it hasn't been? A, does that date me then? It does. Okay. There's a telegram that just came in. <laughs> I'm running a little bit late this morning, I apologize, but I am here. Well, welcome, Peter. Well, we've already had all the introductions, so we're not going to introduce you again, Peter. Uh, Attorney Tenny Lance, uh, Tenny, has been talking about why estate planning is so important for women uh, especially. And it is true. Uh, Women tend to live longer than men. They tend to uh, control the assets. Often they're the more detailed-oriented in a couple situation, and they'll handle the family's finances. But um, what should they be thinking about for estate planning? Uh, let's start with some real basics. What does a will do and what does a will not do, for example? A will is a document that is executed during your lifetime, obviously, to tell people and the court what you want to have happen to your stuff, your belongings after your death. It uh, tells the court who you want to be responsible for disbursement of those assets. Um, And if you have minor children, importantly also names the guardians that you want to um, have the court appoint as the protectors of your children. So a will is uh, a very important document. It does have to be proven and uh, received by and interpreted by the court, but that has gotten a little bit easier recently due to the Massachusetts Uniform Probate Code that finally is getting properly implemented. Would you say that most people have done wills? Oh no, only about 30 some percent of people have ever made any uh, estate planning plans. So I guess a, a proper question to ask the audience this morning is to ask yourself, have you done a will? 
Mm-hmm. Have you done a trust? Have you done anything at all for estate planning? What happens well, if somebody has not done any estate plan at all? Well, I was going to say the interesting thing is that if you have not made any plans for yourself, guess what? The state has a plan for you. Mm. What's um, that called? It's called dying intestate, which sounds like a terrible disease, but it simply means that you have not not left any official instructions that uh, your personal representative or the court can t- interpret uh, as to where your belongings are to be um, distributed. So what are the good parts and bad parts, good points and bad points about doing a will? I think there are only good parts. Um, certainly it is better to have your say in who's going to be appointed as what is now called personal representative used to be called executor or executrice. Um, better that you name the person you want to have represent your estate, and better to have you instruct the court as to where you want your goods to go. The bad part that people con- continue to think about, though, is that it does require a probate process. The will alone is not something that you go to your lawyer's office and have read and presto, everything gets distributed. It has to uh, go through a court process for those items to go to the people you want them to go to. So if you've seen a television show or a movie or something when the family is gathered around in a lawyer's office reading the will, that sounds like that's probably more fiction. Oh, it is. <laughs> um, well, talk for a minute, if you can, about trust. What's the difference between wills and trusts, and why should somebody consider doing a trust rather than a will? Both of those documents, a will or um, what we do mostly, which is a revocable living trust, are legal documents that have to be executed with the proper legal standards. The difference with the trust is that in signing the trust document, you essentially create a treasure chest, as we call it. It's like building a box where uh, all of your assets can be positioned. And therefore, the trust takes on a life of its own, in a sense. Uh, It does not require the court to interpret it in 99.9% of the cases. Um, It indicates who will be your successor trustee. It indicates where those assets are going to ultimately be distributed. And there's no need for going to court to have that trust implemented upon your death. So if somebody dies and they've done a trust instead of a will, is it generally faster, easier, cheaper to do a trust administration than a will? All of the above, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually very easy for the family to come in to uh, inventory what the assets are to make certain that they are under the estate tax limit. And then if they are and uh, the trustee is willing to accept the position as successor, then the assets can be distributed virtually immediately. Now, we've spoken just a little bit about the differences between wills and trusts. What if somebody wanted to come in and meet with you and have a consultation and decide, is it better for me to do a will? Is it better for me to do a trust? How would they reach you, first of all? Where is your office located? We are located on Fonts Corner Road, Uh, 352 Fonts Corner, almost directly across from the UMass Law Center, Uh, and more importantly, the Vanity Fair outlet. (laughs) That's how people mostly... (laughs) One of Tenny's favorite places in the world. Of course. (laughs) 
Uh, our telephone number is 508-998-8800. And uh, if you would be interested in calling to set up an appointment, uh, any of the ladies there could make the appointment for you. And our initial consultations are free of charge. Okay, so what's the telephone number again? 508-998-8800. Now, I know that sometimes you do public seminars for... Uh, people to learn more about the differences between wills and trusts and other estate planning topics also. And uh, in fact, ladies and gentlemen, we'd love to have you be a part of this. But since seating is limited, we want you to call 508-998-8800 for Tuesday, July 16th at the Dartmouth Public Library on Dartmouth Street. That's between 2 and 4 in the afternoon. Lance Law Incorporated, and uh, then at 6 o'clock again to 8 o'clock. So there's two on Tuesday, July 16th. Then on Thursday, July 18th, at the Wareham Public Library on Marion Road in Wareham between 2 and 4 p.m. And then on Saturday, July 20th, at the Mattapoisett Council on Aging on Barstow Street in Mattapoisett, 9.30 in the morning until 11.30. Again, call 508 998 8800 and reserve your seat. You know, I was thinking, Tenny, it's it's too bad in a way that your parents aren't still alive because they used to live on Barstow Street, practically across the street from this library. And of course, they didn't, uh, they weren't even here when you graduated from law school. No. And think about how thrilled they would be if Absolutely. they were still alive living yeah. there, knowing that. Not only had you graduated from law school, but you're doing seminars in the library right across the street from where they lived. That would be really interesting. Yeah, my dad in particular would have been very proud. He insisted on advanced education. How wonderful. He was an engineer, by the way. Mm-hmm. And um, he also went to school in Worcester. Well, let's come back and talk about estate planning. So you've mentioned there are differences between wills and trusts, and some might be better for some people. and. One might be better for the other, um, but if anybody wants information, they can simply contact you and learn the differences. Um, what What are some of the other kinds of estate planning documents that people should be thinking about besides the basic will or the basic living trust? We think that people should definitely have a durable power of attorney for property. That, again, is a legally docu- legal document properly implemented and uh, executed, and this document allows an agent to take over the control and, and uh, direction of your property if you are unable or unwilling to do so. It's a very powerful document. The majority of the documents that we draw, which are over 20 pages long, list the prop, the powers that somebody has been given through this document. So a durable power of attorney for property is a, a critical thing to have. The other uh, documents that we believe that everyone should have in place are a health care power of attorney, a HIPAA document, and if they are inclined, a living will document. And I can talk a little bit later about what those are. The, the health care power of attorney, that's sometimes called a proxy, I believe? Yes, that's right. What does that do? Um, if you think that in life you sort of have two different kinds of things. You have your body and you have your property. The health care power of attorney 
allows someone else to take care of your body for you if you're not able to take care of it yourself. Similarly, the durable power of attorney for property allows somebody to take care of your property for you if you're not allowed, you know, not able to do that. So um, the two health care and durable power of attorneys are documents that um, are very important in case you should ever become incapacitated if you're not able or if you travel widely or uh, are not available for one reason or another. Those documents put in place the powers that you need. Uh, Tenny, do a lot of people uh, think that by having a spouse, the spouse would actually do those things uh, in case you know somebody's uh, incapacitated? Well, that may be what people do think. The reality is that if you had a bank account, for example, with only your name on it, your spouse does not get access to that if something should happen to you. Uh, if you did not have a durable power of attorney in place and somebody needed to get access to that bank account, there would be a court process involved, and that's called a conservatorship. And it's a, a rather unpleasant process where you go before the court and uh, state under oath that somebody is unable to handle their own affairs, therefore they need somebody else to handle it for them. Now, whether that's a spouse or not, um, it doesn't automatically happen just because you're married. So what you're saying is if you have a health care proxy, if you have a, a durable power of attorney, that might eliminate the need to have somebody go to court to be named your representative. Is that correct? That's correct, and that's why we're so in favor of these documents. You can avoid guardianship, which is a court-appointed person to take care of your body, or a conservatorship, a court-appointed appointed person to take care of your property. Do you find that most people coming in to see you are organized in their affairs? They know where their documents and their financial papers are? Gosh, that's a, a hard question. Actually, the people who come in to see me tend to be organized because we ask them before they come in to make out what is called a client intake form. And that's a form on which they list their assets, um, their children, the children's birth dates, um, where their um, assets are, and how they are titled. So it kind of makes them get organized then, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. I know I've seen people in the past when a family member has died come in with literally shopping bags full of papers and dump everything on the table and it's a mess. So it's always better to get organized ahead of time. Um, we're privileged this morning to have with us um, an expert on estate planning, Medicaid planning, uh, protecting assets from nursing homes attorney Tenny Lance. And we're going to take a short break and come back, and then we're going to ask you some really hard questions, Tony. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Wise Radio Show with the Money Guys 
and the money matron. The money matron? Did you say the money matron or the money maven? I'm not sure. What the oh, I love the money matron. I think that's a great name. The matriarch. Well, I think at this point, Phil, I better not say anything else or I'll get into trouble. I dare not use that particular word at home anyway. So, But we are talking with attorney Tenny Lance this morning, uh, who's very knowledgeable in the areas of estate planning, wills, trust, all the related documents that go with it. She does a great deal of work in asset protection and Medicaid planning. It's real important, I know, for most people to think about how do I protect my house and how do I not lose my house if somebody has to go to a nursing home. That's a whole separate topic. We won't necessarily go into a lot of detail on that, but we're talking about the basics of estate planning, the differences between wills and trusts, Tenny. Um, are there other kinds of things that people would do? Uh, for example, do you tell people and show people how to put assets into the trust if they create a trust, for example? Well, yes, that's certainly an important um, end result of creating a living trust is that you actually get your assets into it. It's terribly disappointing if we have review sessions with people several years later and find out that they have this wonderful document that allows all kinds of opportunities for them called the living trust, but they've never funded it. We take care of the real estate. Um, we do the deed. Wait, wait, you do the deed, okay. Uh, to transfer the uh, property, the house, from usually tenancy by the entirety, the married couple, into the living trust. And that therefore takes care of people's real estate. But the rest of their property, whether it's bank accounts or annuity contracts or stocks or. Um, any of those kinds of assets need to actually be transferred into the trust if they're going to be um, uh, distributed through the trust. So we will tell people what sections of the trust document to bring to the bank, for example, what, what things to say and do when they go to the bank to open up an account in the name of the trust. So step one is to do your documents, and step two is to make sure that you retitle various assets into the name of a trust, if you do a trust. Yes, and certain assets certainly would not go into the trust. Those are assets like IRAs or 401ks or 403bs, and the reason for that is that those are individual retirement account kinds of assets, and if they went into the trust, they would call forth the uh, tax implications of essentially cashing them out and putting them into the trust. So we suggest that people be very careful about their beneficiary schedules for um, such uh, kinds of assets as life insurance policies or 401ks and IRAs to make certain that they name primary and secondary beneficiaries for the people that they want to have receive those assets after they're gone. I've seen actual cases in the past when a man at a younger age named his sister as a beneficiary on an IRA account, mm -hmm. later got married, went through his whole life continuing to grow his IRA account, and never got around to changing the beneficiary oh, to his wife. Yeah. And then he died. It's a very famous case in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Well over a million dollars in his IRA account, and the wife said he really meant for me to get it, but he hadn't listed her on the beneficiary. New Jersey Supreme Court ruled, no, the money belongs to the sister who was named. 
And the sister wasn't good enough to just give the money over to the wife. So mm. you need to be very careful about naming beneficiaries correctly yes. and yes. check it from time to time. Jenny, you mentioned one, one thing that I thought was very important, and that's the subject of taxes. And we could spend the, the entire hour talking about taxes, but when you do a trust for somebody, there's a tax benefit for a married couple, correct? Yes, if the married couple has assets that um, upon the death of the first uh, are, have accumulated to a million dollars or more, the trust has provisions within it that will save the couple from having to pay estate taxes. Now, there are two kinds of estate taxes. There's a federal estate tax, and the exemption from that is a $5 million amount. So that usually is not relevant for most people. It's actually a bit higher, too. I think it's... Well, it's $5, five million plus inflation, which is $5,250 or so this year. So... Most people are not going to worry about having a $5 million estate to protect, although I know you've represented people in that category, but oh, yes. what's, the, what's the Massachusetts exemption amount? The mass exemption has been at $1 million for a while, and there's no sign that that's going to be raised in any uh, immediate future. And so if a couple dies owning assets that are over a million dollars in value, then ultimately, eventually, the second spouse's estate is likely to have to pay estate taxes. And with a living trust, those estate taxes can be largely avoided, largely right, or wholly. Because you protect two exemptions, two $1 million exemptions with a trust? Yes, it's pretty complicated, but um, the uh, unlimited marital deduction that occurs on the death of the first spouse uh, makes it all well and good for the second to have everything in his or her name, but then upon his or her death, then the estate taxes become due. And they're due nine months after the death, and so it is often the case that you will see what is called estate sales because the family is trying to raise the money necessary to pay the estate tax. So obviously not everybody listening to the show has a million dollars worth of assets. But today, if you're a married couple and you have a house that's, you know, in a decent neighborhood and is worth a fair amount of money and you add in life insurance and IRA accounts and so forth, a fair number of people do have assets at that level. So what you're saying is if you are married and have assets that are in that category, think about doing a trust immediately because you can protect $2 million of assets sure. from the Massachusetts tax. Absolutely. And more and more, as Ray said, we are seeing people whose real estate um, has appreciated a great deal over the last year or so, particularly those who might be on the Cape or on water um, around our neck of the woods. And uh, people don't realize that their combination of assets have grown to such a degree. And they are only, I think, going to increase now that uh, the economy is on the mend. Do the um, estate planning laws and tax laws change periodically? Is it important for people to periodically get updated on changes? We are in the process of sending out letters to all people who have done documents with us over the last 15 or so years because, yes, the estate law, tax laws and other laws, the Uniform Probate Code, Uniform Trust Code, and so forth, have changed quite a bit over the last decade or so. And so something that you may have done as a document back in 2000 
may not be relevant and may not be protective, most importantly, of your estate in 2013. So whether you've done estate planning or whether you haven't done estate planning, it's important periodically to get refreshed. And I know that you've got some seminars coming up not too long. That's right. Yes, yes, we do. We have four seminars coming up in July, and I'm very excited about these because usually we might do these at a hotel or whatever, um, but these are being done at public locations, and they are educational and therefore uh, not demanding of anyone to sign up for anything when they leave. Um, these seminars are being done at the Dartmouth Public Library on July 16th from 2 to 4 p.m., on uh, at the Wareham Public Library on July 18th from 2 to 4 p.m. and at the Mattapoisett Council on Aging on Saturday, July 20th from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. And then there is one additional one that we are doing at our offices for people who uh, are more attuned to doing evening events because they may be working during the day. So that is on July 16th from 6 to 8 p.m. Probably people aren't going to remember all that, so no. if they want to call the office and uh, get some information, what number should they call you? Call 508-998-8800, and that information will be available to you. We do ask that you let us know if you're going to come so that we'll have uh, enough space in the room. Our office, for example, can only accommodate about 12 to 15 people. So. Mm -hmm. And they're free. Oh, absolutely. They're absolutely free, folks. Free is a good word. Free is great. And you need to make sure that you have enough cookies and brownies and whatnot for everybody, too. Oh, absolutely, too. yes. <laughs> Especially if Peter's going to be there. That's right. <laughs> now, Tandy, I, we know that you do a lot of work in the area of estate planning with wills and trusts, and, and then when somebody dies, you'll handle the trust administration side of that to make sure that everything gets done quickly and smoothly and so forth. But... I also know that you do a lot of work with the uh, elderly population and that you belong to some other elderly organizations. What are some of those organizations that you belong to? Well, the primary one is the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, otherwise known as NALA, and the Massachusetts chapter of that, which is very active. They hold dinner meetings um, virtually every month throughout the, the, the year from uh, September to June. Um, that is an organization that keeps totally current on particularly Medicaid issues and often probate issues as well. Um, so that's a very valuable organization that I belong to. Um, they update facts and figures for us all the time. I just got a, a printout the other day from um, the NALA website that talks about the updated uh, Medicaid numbers that we may have talked about before about maximum monthly maintenance needs allowances, uh, spousal resource allowances, all those awful terms. So Medicaid planning is important when? If somebody is going to go to a nursing home and they'd like to have some help from the government to pay for it? Well, uh, nursing homes in general are paid for in only one of three ways. One is through the Medicare program with your supplemental health insurance program, hmm. but that lasts only a period of 100 days maximum. So then if you go off Medicare, 
then you are either a private pay patient or a Medicaid patient. So to answer your question specifically, no, people should not wait until a nursing home looms in the immediate future before coming in to talk about Medicaid planning because there is what is most everybody now knows is a five-year look-back period that has to be taken into account before the assets are uh, positioned in one way or the other. You know, Phil, a couple of weeks ago we had um, a gentleman on from uh, John Hancock and Sentinel Financial talking right. about the cost of long-term care in a nursing home. And mm-hmm. we're looking at numbers even in the greater New Bedford area of $130,000 a year. Or more. So, Tenny, I guess if you have assets, then you're what, a private pay patient and you have to use your own money? Uh, yes, if you do not properly plan or position your assets, you will be a private pay patient and you will be paying somewhat in excess of $300 a day or more than $10,000 a month for a nursing home. And I'm not, uh, a lot of people blame nursing homes. I'm not blaming them at all. They give good care, they have good staff. Sure. It's costly. Mm-hmm. The uh, government has not figured out a really good way of handling uh, the elder population that, uh, since it is a population that is growing in average age, more and more people are going to be facing nursing homes, and the government really does need to figure out how to solve this problem. Yes. You know, Phil, it's it's interesting. Sometimes we don't expect to have to go to a nursing home, and that happens when we least expect it. You know, you could be injured. Oh, yeah. Um, I just had a little accident on uh, attempting to do some windsurfing. Oh, and you did. have and, to and go for x-rays and MRIs because my knee is absolutely killing me. Oh, <laughs> no. It's important to note who suggested that that was not a good idea. Not a very good idea at all. <laughs> Do you have any photos of you windsurfing? No. <laughs> it would not have been pretty. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, convalescing in a nursing home, I guess, is is the point, right? Yeah. Many of us. Uh, well, maybe I could get a knee massage or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, let's, let's talk about a single person going to a nursing home, uh, for example, Tenny. How much can they keep of their own personal assets versus how much would they have to spend for their own personal private care? A single person is hard to plan for because the single person can only keep $2,000 in their own name. And so if you are a single person out there and you have significant assets, you should come in to talk about planning because you need five years to properly place your assets in ways that they are not subject to use for the nursing home. And what's an example of something that somebody might do if they were looking to move assets into a protected form, for example? There is um, a type of trust that we do in the office that has become more popular lately. It's called an irrevocable income-only trust. And into that trust, we often will place the family residence. Um, And the reason we do that is the the residence... um, does not need to be used often for uh, financial resources, so it just kind of sits there happily in that trust. And as long as as it's been in that trust for five years, it is not subject to liens by MassHealth if Medicaid is needed. Uh, It's one of the important ways to preserve the house, and that house is often the most important asset that people Um, have. They feel very strongly about the fact that they've worked all their lives to get this 
residents and they don't want to lose it to the nursing home. So the irrevocable income only trust is an important way to um, salvage that house. You know, Tanya, a couple of weeks ago when we had Phil Drewing on talking about the uh, long-term care insurance, we mentioned that as another way to provide for your care so that you wouldn't have to lose assets. But not everybody can afford to have long-term care insurance. It's expensive. So I think it's important for people to know that there's other planning things they could do to protect it. But I know that you have long-term care insurance. I do. I um, Let's see. I've probably had it for about 11 years now. And the premium is not outlandish. It's um, within reach. And it's because I got it when I was younger, and therefore um, I did not have osteoporosis diagnosed, which I do now. Um, And my health was good when I bought it, so I was a good case for underwriting at that point. Hmm. So we've learned this morning that it's important to get advice on whether to do wills or trusts. Whether you do one or the other, it's always important to do other documents as well. And then you need to think about what do you want to do to protect your assets in case somebody has to go to a nursing home someday. What what percentage of the population is estimated to go into a nursing home or require some nursing home care? Oh, the the estimates change all the time because the population is aging. So it's at at least 50% or so. And more men than women tend to enter nursing homes. Really? I didn't... didn't I didn't, I didn't either. Because that. when you go to visit somebody in a nursing home, it seems like it's mostly women who are there. Well, they enter it, but that doesn't necessarily mean they are there a long while. Many people who go to nursing homes are there for rehab because they've had a knee replacement or a hip replacement or whatever. Or a knee injury on a windsurfer. <laughs> or a knee injury after they've been told it wasn't a good idea to do this. And <laughs> but she never, said, she never said the words, I told you so. Well, yet she's already mentioned it twice in less than five minutes, so you're, you're in for a long, long Toast. lesson of listening to your wife. Not only is my knee wrecked, my goose is cooked. <laughs> Why don't yeah. do you tell the um, the little joke, Ray, about why men die before women? Now, I actually mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but I'll say it once again, Phil. Yes. Do you know why? Do you know why men die before women? Why? Because they want to. It, they want this is, to. This is husbands and wives situations. Maybe because they don't want to listen to nagging or uh-huh. I told you so. They want to. Well. Um, what are you seeing for trends of anything? Are you seeing more and more people concerned about planning, or is it still people waiting until the last minute? Unfortunately, mostly I see people waiting for the last minute because people don't want to reposition their assets for five years ahead of, of something that they don't know when it's going to happen. Um, you can never tell when you might have a stroke or some other debilitating illness and have to enter a nursing home. So people are reluctant to plan and and reposition assets in a way that they may not have immediate access to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm not seeing a lot of um, uh, pre-planning, unfortunately. Um, I'm not either seeing an awful lot of people who are, uh, as yet, doing the kinds of estate planning documents that they need. I think people are kind of still shell-shocked from the recession that we went through and the years uh, coming out of that. I know that all indications are that the economy is moving up, 
but I think people still are kind of waiting for good news. But if you want to protect what you have, and if you want to leave as much as possible for your family, and if you want not to pay taxes any more than what absolutely is necessary, then you really need to plan, don't you? You need to plan and um, with all of the documents that we've mentioned because not any one of them does everything for you. It's a combination of all of these documents that are really important. You know, I used to say, Phil, that um, most people will spend more time planning for their vacation My. than they will planning for their family How and true. their assets and their estate plan. Oh, How far sad. greater, yes. Mm -hmm. And it's just something that uh, people need to really think about. It's an uncertain world we live in. It's an uncertain economy. But as they say sometimes, death and taxes are not uncertain. <laughs> it's going to happen to us all right. at some point in time. <laughs> so uh, we've got a few more minutes left. Uh, Peter, is there any re last remaining question you might like to ask um, your mother about estate planning? Or about windsurfing? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm switching to paddleboard next, Phil. Yeah, that's another wonderful idea. Uh, we met with somebody uh, Friday, a couple days ago, and she said, you know, windsurfing's hard. You should try stand-up paddleboarding. And I'm just like, <laughs> wonderful advice. <laughs> well, I've come to the conclusion that uh, skiing is probably safer than windsurfing. <laughs> Which you may not be able to do anymore because of windsurfing. No, I'm going to have some good results on my MRIs and... What happens when their grandchildren ask uh, Papa to uh, do a little skateboarding or whatnot, Peter? Hmm? Well, they're not into that just yet, but they might ask him to go on the little electric scooter, and we'll see how that turns out. I would do that if I had my helmet on. <laughs> and, uh, maybe, and your knee pads. My, definitely my knee pads. I think those are obligatory from now on. <laughs> and we'll find out in a couple of days whether you'll have to have monkey parts in your knee. No, no monkey parts for me, only bull parts. <laughs> um, you did ask, Peter, an important question, though, that I do want to break in about. Um, from a younger person's perspective, please, if you have children, please make sure that you have a will in place that names your uh, guardians for your minor children. It's extremely important. You don't want the court to make decisions for you. Listen, life is crazy. You never know what could happen, and you want to make sure that your children, who are the most important thing in your life, and they, they sure better be, are, are protected and are going to be looked out uh, for and, and cared for in the way that you want them to be, should anything, God forbid, happen to you. Uh, and with that also, we talk about life insurance almost every show. If you don't have life insurance, especially if you have young children, get a quote and do something uh, because God forbid if something happened to you, um, you know, how would they be able to, to go on without you, without your income? Uh, you know, at least get a term policy at the very least. You really need to do that just to be able to protect your children until they are um, finished with high school and or college. And that goes hand in hand with estate planning. And you know what, I was just thinking if, if grandparents are out there listening and they've already done their estate plan, they're not sure what their children have done, what a nice gift it might be for grandparents to help pay for the cost of doing wills or trusts for their own children because it's going to protect the grandchildren as well. Right? Ab absolutely. We, um, Great idea. We do advertise that when it's um, Christmas time or some other important time or as a birthday gift. It's, mm -hmm. it's uh, so important for people to have documents in place. 
Phil, we're not uh, talking today purposely about USA Wealth Group because we're focused on Tenny and what she's got coming up in her seminars. So, Tenny, why don't you just tell folks again how to get in touch with you if they want to even just sit down and talk about what's best for them. How do they reach you, first of all? Please call 508-998-8800. Our initial consultations that are related to the production of estate planning documents are free of charge. We do charge if you come in to talk about Medicaid, but uh, the seminars that will be uh, available to you shortly in the next couple of weeks, July 16th at the Dartmouth Public Library in the afternoon, Thursday, July 18th at the Wareham Public Library, also in the afternoon. Saturday morning, July 20th at the Mattapoisett Council on Aging. And then July 16th in the evening at our office on Fonts Corner Road, 352. Well, Tenny, thank you very much for being here with us this morning. We've been talking with attorney Tenny Lance. And uh, usually we pick on you, and today you had a chance to get a few swipes <laughs> in at me. So, Phil, I'm going to do something that I haven't done before. With your permission, Absolutely. I'm going to say goodbye to our special guest this morning Yes. and give her a kiss. Oh, my goodness. That, and there it is. Thank you, Dallin. Oh, that was beautiful on radio. And on that note, thank you for being with us.